You can listen to The Professional Left wherever you get your podcast on Netroots Radio or at our website, proleftpod.com, where you can also contribute to this podcast. There is, in fact, a PayPal button at that very website, or you can mail us a letter via U.S. Postal Service and or contribution at Post Office Box 9133, Springfield, Illinois, 6279. Say it with me now. One. One. Very good. One. (laughs) This is the podcast for the week of September 15th, 2023. It's not safe for work. Recorded live from the Cornfield Resistance, where we've never gotten kicked out of a theater for vaping. It's the professional left with Drift Glass and Blue Gal. Hey, Drift Glass. Yeah, you know, I've gotten kicked out of a lot of places in my time. <laughs> I, I bet I'll, you I'll, have. I'll go into it in the in the Pro Left After Dark um, podcast that we have that's premium on. on uh, no, it's in, not. No, bars, it was late. There was music. No one remembers what actually happened, but... Come on, Lauren Boebert. Everybody knows vaping and screaming your head off during an event are reserved for White Sox games and Republican debates and, acceptably also, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. But yeah. you got to know yeah. all the words. Don't go in there you like an amateur. you got to know all the words. Mm-hmm. The thing that I immediately, that immediately jumped out at me about this story is this happened in Colorado. This is a local story. Yes. It's going to be on local news. It's in the local paper. And... uh that is a huge difference from the, something that might have happened in D.C. where, well, the media mis, misquoted or they saw I was a Republican and they kicked me out. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's what happened. It happened out there in the in Liberalville. No, this happened in Denver where you were with your boyfriend. And by the way, uh, you know, <laughs> he's now uh, a public figure. Congratulations. Because of her behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it turns out the latest is that his bar that he and apparently his brothers own, his, um, his name is Quinn Gallagher, um, his bar hosted a drag show in January of this year. Really? Yeah. Really? Oh. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. Um, did, did all the queens dress up as Lauren Boebert? I mean, they, that, that would be something I might go and vape to. I don't know. Right, right. <laughs> Uh, I am certain that alcohol was involved because, uh, yeah. you know, just having a good time at a theater presentation is not a reason to get kicked out. Being no. loud and obnoxious and vaping and having your camera on, uh, your phone camera on and all of that because you can do whatever you want to because you're Lauren Bobert and you've had a couple drinks with dinner. Right. And having been warned a couple of times yeah. that please stop doing this shit. Yeah. And then finally, that's, you know, let's you gotta go. You've got to go. Let's go. So that's enough about her. Yeah. We really we really came to talk about um, what mm. is now being coined as Kevin McCarthy's illegal impeachment thingy. Yeah, it's very illegal. it's not an inquiry, and nope. it's not an impeachment. Nope. And it doesn't have a vote. Nope. Uh, and uh, in case you were wondering why Kevin refused to take questions... Uh, he ran away like a Monty Python character. <laughs> uh, it's probably because some brave reporter might have asked him about the Trump Department of Justice ruling in 2019 that before proceeding, any impeachment inquiry must be voted on by the full House of Representatives. And uh, from the uh, non-puff piece wing of Politico this week, <laughs> 
because you know this this whole Lauren Boebert thing, by the way, happened the day after a total puff piece yes. in Politico. You know where she's moving away from MAGA. She's getting more serious as a congresswoman, right? And you know she's reformulating her approach to politics, right? She's 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 crazy in the house, but normal in the bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Uh, but in the non-puff piece wing of Politico this week, Joe Biden has a literal trump card to play against the House's new impeachment inquiry. In January of 2020, the Donald Trump-led Justice Department formally declared that impeachment inquiries by the House are invalid unless the chamber takes formal votes to authorize them, unquote. And uh, Kevin doesn't have the votes. No, he doesn't. And he knows yep. it. And everyone knows it. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows it. And everyone knows that... This is Matt Gates and the Freedom Caucus just yanking his leash as hard as they can to watch well, him dance. And 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 uh, Marge also, Marjorie Taylor Greene, yeah, is now mad at Matt Gates. Mommy Maga and Daddy Maga are fighting oh, over no. who gets to take credit for impeaching Biden. Yeah, well, and that's that's the thing. These are these are a bunch of promises that Mike Kevin made to a bunch of lunatics that mm-hmm. are all in conflict with each other. And they're now colliding at the point of de- delivery. Mm-hmm, and right. he can't deliver. He cannot do what he promised people who, he could do. And he promised everybody everything. It really is, in a sense, like the producers. You know, you yes. just make a whole bunch of crazy promises knowing that it's all going to work out. And then it didn't work out the way you planned it would work out. And now you owe everybody everything. And it, there's no end in sight for him. And I can't figure out if he just thought he could get away with it because, you know, I get away with stuff and the Speaker of the House gets away with things, or he's just as stupid as I think he is. I think I think really- it's a combination of his genuine stupidity and a belief that uh, order will turn out in the end. You know, yeah. that the order that he's, once he's got the seat, it's easier to defend the Speaker's seat than to try to get it. Yeah. So he'll be okay. And, uh, um, there's a thing that I think Harlan Ellison wrote about writing for television. It's like climbing a mountain of shit to pluck a perfect rose from the top. And yeah. once you get to the top, you can't smell anything anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and and except there's no rose up there. There's just That's Donald right. Trump dick waiting for your mouth, your warm Ugh. mouth there, Kevin. Okay. So All you right. know who else agrees with, with this opinion of the Donald J. Trump Justice Department? Kevin McCarthy agrees with it. Yeah. But that was yesterday, so it doesn't really yeah. count. You know, this was yeah. uh he agreed with it in Breitbart in 2019. And yeah, McCarthy was just full of piss and vinegar way back then. He was all he had lots of opinions when he was out of power about what people should do and what they shouldn't do and what was bad. And this is him in September of 2019 in Breitbart. Quote, the left has officially lost their minds. They're so fixated on their imaginary impeachment that they're they're getting nothing else done, McCarthy said. And how's that whole impeachment is going to be backfiring on them in 2020 working out there, Kevin? Because that's what he said. (laughs) He promised that all of this impeachment craziness the Democrats are doing would blow up in our faces and 2020 would be a disaster and there'd be a red wave. And he's just an idiot. And he's just an idiot with enough power to really wreck the economy. Well, I mean, we have the same problem in Illinois that they have in California. Uh-huh. Which is you have to gerrymander the Republicans all into as few districts as possible mm-hmm. so that when you have a concentration of Republicans like that electing someone, they're going to elect a, a stupid or a crazy. 
uh, and and California Republicans are like, you know, Illinois Republicans. They're nuts. Well, OK, but that's I respectfully disagree. OK, because there are red states that are gerrymandered to give the Republicans a maximum number of seats. And those people are crazy. Yeah. Georgia is fucking crazy. You know, yeah. Marjorie Taylor Greene's from Georgia. It's not. I agree. You've concentrated. What you have done is you've you've not allowed the Republicans to mix with the general population. Right. Right. The general, if the there's temperature, no, there's the general, no moderation. Yeah. Right. And yeah. but in, in there's a whole bunch of red states where there just is no moderation. Period. In Tennessee, well, there isn't Georgia though. Kemp Kemp has backed up Fonnie Willis because he knows if he doesn't that Georgia is purple enough that he could be ousted. Yep. So yeah, there is that moderating factor. Um, also, according to reporting from CNN, guess who is quote unquote orchestrating this whole ridiculous freak show? From down in Maragrifto, it's Donald Trump. He has been coordinating with two key members of the House Republican Conference. Sources tell CNN that Trump spoke with Republican Conference Chair Elise Stefanik by phone to discuss impeachment inquiry strategy. Yeah. Uh-huh. Additionally, CNN reported that Trump had dinner with Marjorie Taylor Greene on Sunday at Bedminster, where they also discussed the inquiry. Yeah, yeah. So here is House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries making sure everyone knows what's happening. Extreme, quote, extreme mega Republicans are doing the bidding of their puppet master in chief, Donald Trump. When Donald Trump says jump, extreme mega Republicans say how high, yeah. unquote. Mm-hmm. And I really did like the official Biden-Harris 2024 campaign statement on Kevin McCarthy doing Donald Trump's bidding. It's the same message. Uh, you know what? I have to disagree. Democrats are terrible at messaging. I, <laughs> I hear it all the time from uh, former Republicans. That's yeah. gospel. Yeah. All right. The following is a statement from Amar Musa, spokesperson for Biden-Harris 2024. Quote, as Donald Trump ramped up his demands for a baseless impeachment inquiry, Kevin McCarthy cemented his role as the Trump campaign's super surrogate by turning the House of Representatives into an arm of his presidential campaign. Eleven days ago, McCarthy unequivocally said that he would not move forward with an impeachment inquiry without holding a vote on the House floor. What has changed since then? Several members of the Speaker's own conference have come out and publicly panned impeachment as a political stunt, pointing out there is no evidence of wrongdoing by President Biden as Republicans litigate the same debunked conspiracy theories they have investigated for over four years. While MAGA Republicans spend all of their time attacking President Biden and his family, the president is working every day to make life better for American families across the country. President Biden will remain focused on the issues that matter to everyday Americans, lowering costs, growing the economy, making our communities safe, and protecting Social Security and Medicare, while he tries to bring the country together, not divide us even further, unquote. Yep, that's the official campaign statement, that, and that's a that's a pretty hard punch coming yeah. from you know the, the 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 campaign arm of the White House, right? Uh, it's right. all true. That's that's the thing. You don't have to defend a lot of bullshit in there. It's all it's all true. But here's the thing, and we're doing this podcast sort of midweek. This is not quite a combined, no fair remembering stuff and ordinary professional life podcast. But I'm on the road uh, tomorrow and for the next few days, so we're doing one podcast this week, but. Right. This current crisis invented entirely by corrupt Republicans allows us to say that none of this is new. 
This is all mm-hmm. an old playbook. In fact, in May of this very year, we did a whole No Fair Remembering Stuff episode on Robert Fisk and all that. Now, show of hands from all you boys and girls, how many of you remember who Robert Fisk was and is, ooh, right? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Pick me, pick me. Ooh, the, the pretty lady in the front row who's, <laughs> I'm hoping to get a date with later. I'm going to tell you. Uh, that was the first Whitewater prosecutor. Yes, there were, in fact, two separate Whitewater uh, special prosecutors who were investigating the Clintons. This is the one who found no Clinton wrongdoing and who said in very plain language that Vince Foster's death was a tragic suicide. But that is not what Republicans wanted to hear. Remember, this was the 90s. These were the good old days. These are the days we're all supposed to remember fondly as Republicans were sane and normal and everything was great before Trump came along. Bullshit. That is not what Republicans wanted to hear any more than they now don't want to hear that Hillary Clinton was guilty of nothing or that there was no Benghazi conspiracy or that Barack Obama was born in the United States and had no secret plan to death panel your sacred white Mima or that Joe Biden hasn't done anything wrong. Instead, they did what they always do every time. They get rid of the person who told them the inconvenient truth they did not want to hear and they hire a stooge to gin up false charges by whatever means necessary. That's what they did in Watergate. I'm sorry. That's what they did. That's what the Watergate is what they're trying to get us back for. Mm-hmm. Republicans mm-hmm. have never gotten over the fact that Richard Nixon was a fucking criminal and deserved to be tossed out of office and go to jail. And ever since there, they are like, we're going to get the Democrats back. And ever since then, every re- Democratic president has faced the threat or the actual um, outcome of an impeachment for nothing, for bullshit by the Republican Party out of revenge, because we're the devil and anything we do is uh, anything we they can do to take us down is worth doing. Um, and once the right has screamed loud enough and thrown enough poop against the wall, the mainstream media can be relied upon to magically transform their ravings into news. Because a congressman said it, that makes Mm -hmm. it news. Right. Or it was on Fox. Some sources on Newsmax or Fox said things, and that's now, they said it loud enough, and now it's news. It's it's in the air, Blue It's out there that Hunter Biden had a laptop, and his dick is on there. And that phenomenon has a name. And that's a crime. Right. And Burisma, Driftglass. Don't forget Burisma. Don't forget Burisma. Or Solyndra. Don't forget Solyndra. Or Solyndra or the tarmac. Mm-hmm. Or that white suit, or that tan suit, or that, that tan mustard. suit, the tarmac. Oh you shit! Name it. I just remembered. Neither of us are wearing our, our flag pins. We got to stop this podcast flag right now. Pin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Cokie Roberts may no longer be with us, but Cokie's law is forever, and That's we want to remind everybody what Cokie's law is. Cokie's law, which what came out with the great Clinton penis hunt of 1999. <laughs> Cokie said it didn't matter whether something happened or not. I was at the beauty parlor yesterday and this is all anyone was talking about. It's out there and it's part of our culture. So it the fact that she has any responsibility to fact check the bullshit that's coming out of the Republican Party is nil. Yeah, it doesn't matter whether or not anyone said what they said or did what they did. It matters that people are talking about it. Right. If you get enough people talking, and by the way, Cokie's Law, the term Cokie's Law was coined, I believe, by Digby. That's right. OG That's blog right. and Digby. And you know when she coined it? Long before Trump came into office. Exactly. Because exactly. OG bloggers have been writing about this shit for a very long time. 
And as the GOP goes screaming faster and faster into the abyss, the mainstream media can be relied on every time to do the other thing it does all the time. Amp up its change the subject, blame both sides coverage. And here's some examples from the last week or so. From the New York Times, Alabama cherishes its history of defying federal courts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I forget who wow. said it, probably Boswood or somebody on Twitter, that I can name 1.3 million African-Americans who don't cherish that history of defying courts in Alabama. Correct. But they put it like it's some charming little affectation of the South, like, I don't know, biscuits and gravy or something. Right. It's just a thing Fried they chicken. do down there. Right. <laughs> and isn't that fucking adorable that they do it? This is from Politico Playbook this week. Democrats worry that Biden's vulnerabilities risk being blown up as equivalent to Trump's. No, we don't. <laughs> we worry that assholes like political writers will turn Biden's perceived vulnerabilities, according to them, into something that everyone's talking about by using Coke's law. It's out Kofi's there, it's, it's out, out there. there. Yes, it's out there because you keep pumping it out there. I am reminded of Hunter Thompson's uh, rumor about ibogaine use right. by Edwin Muskie. Yep. Rumor has it that Edmund Muskie is using ibogaine. And it turned into a story. Yeah. And eventually Hunter Thompson says, yeah, rumor has it because I started the fucking rumor. Yep. This is the this is the exactly what they do. They take nothing, something that someone's concerned about somewhere, and turn it into Dems worry that those vulnerabilities will be inflated into something big and scary by us because we'll do it every fucking time. Well, it's like when Marcos Melitsis was on Meet the Press a couple weeks ago, and I noticed he hasn't been on since. Nope. Nope. Uh, and he said... Biden is actually very popular among Democrats. Yes. And yes, you would have he thought he took an actual shit on the table. No, no. Don't say that. Don't say that. That fucks up our whole thing. Yeah. Well, and speaking of um, people who should have retired a very long time ago, this is from Doddering Washington Post relic Dan Balls. Quote, what divides political parties? More than ever, it's race and, race and ethnicity. Now, I have no problem with that. But then he has to go and complete that sentence. A new report examines political polarization. There's that fucking word again, as if both sides, both sides. While acknowledging that anti-democratic impulses among Republicans are most worrisome, it suggests that both parties bear some responsibility for stoking divisions, unquote. They don't, you know, Democrats don't want to hear that slavery might have been a nice thing at one time. No, no. and we go stoking that division And so they're so divisive. Time. Yeah, yeah. We're so divisive. <laughs> Calling a thing by its real name when Dan Balls doesn't want to talk about it yeah. is divisive. Pointing out that a lot of people are really uncomfortable with Vice President Kamala Harris because she's a woman and she's black, not because of anything she's actually done. Yeah. It's something you're not supposed to say. And so you and just. there's a lot of voters really angry about Republicans taking away women's bodily autonomy. Oh, yes. that's very divisive. Yes. Well, actually, we have a clip from Dan Balls sharing his thoughts about, let me check my notes here menstruation i read somewhere that their periods attract bears the bears can smell the menstruation and blue gal our message is spreading even robert reich noted quote the evidence-free impeachment inquiry into president biden is only happening because trump demanded it over social media he shouted on twitter he knows he can count on the media's penchant for both sidesism it's both siderism, Bob. Just get it right. It's both siderism. To use the Biden impeachment to deflect attention from Trump's criminal trials. That's right. It is going to be, well, on the one hand, Donald Trump has been indicted in court and is likely to be convicted in court and keeps losing 
every motion he tried, his lawyers try to make. On mm -hmm. the other hand, Republicans mm -hmm. are impeaching Biden for nothing. Right. Right. And that's a big deal because of perceived vulnerabilities that right. we decided and, he and had. People are talking about it at Cokie Roberts old hairdresser. Right. Which is now called the Cokie's <laughs> Law hairdresser. Uh, and Hair what, were you, what were your never Trumper allies up to last week? You know, our allies, our friends and allies. Our friends. They were, yeah. They were blaming Democrats for not reigning in Republican lunatic Tommy Tuberville. And then they were wish casting Biden out of the race. Mm -hmm. Would, you mm -hmm. know, maybe, maybe he shouldn't, I don't know, maybe he shouldn't be running. And it was just, it was listening to like with friends like these really who needs enemies, blaming mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Democrats for not putting the, the, the kibosh on a Republican Senator and then talking about how maybe Biden should really drop out and maybe we'll have a dream ticket that Bill Crystal <sighs> invented because Bill Crystal has yeah. this great record yeah. of inventing right. candidates out of thin air that will save the day. That wind now, up being Sarah Palin. Oh, and after nine years and more than 430 broadcasts, Blue Gal, the era of Chuck Todd is ending. Chuck Todd is passing the baton to Kristen Welker, and nothing whatsoever is going to change on Meet the Press. Now, we OG bloggers have outlasted, say it with me now, Tim Russert, yes. David Gregory, and now Chuck Todd. We were also sounding the alarm about the trajectory of the media and the Republican Party decades ago, which is why it's so very important that we be kept far away from the mainstream <laughs> media microphones. But the thing is, none of this is new either. Yeah. Yeah, it really isn't. And no. this is where I want to get into no fair remembering stuff. I came across an article. Oh, by the way, do you want to do a Kristen Welker and a head of lettuce as which is going to last longer at Meet oh, the no. Press? I think she's going to last a year, but yeah. I don't know how much longer than that she's going to last. It I depends. Think we'll do... Kristen Welker and a, uh, a Tupperware full of pasta in the fridge. <laughs> okay. I think that's about, about right. Well, and, and she's perfect for the job. If the job is be more Chuck yes. Todd. Yeah. Continuity. <laughs> Chuck Could you Todd, do Chuck, but more. More Give Chuck Todd. More. <laughs> Could you do that? But more. Could you bring back David Brooks maybe? Cause we used yeah. to love him. And yeah. David Gregory used to yeah. have him on all the time. But anyway, I came across an article and I did want to commend the New York Review of Books. I think I've said before that their political coverage is really good. Mm -hmm. uh, and Eric Foner in the New York Review of Books for September 21st of this year has an article about the 1968 Chicago Democratic Convention. So this is sort of our No Fair Remembering Stuff segment of this week's combined podcast. Mm -hmm. um, there's a new book out. It's by Heather Hendershot. And the book is called When the News Broke, Chicago 1968 and the Polarizing of America. And Eric Foner did this very long essay uh, in the New York Review of Books. And, and I read the whole thing. and It's really worth reading. I'm excerpting as much of it as I feel I can here. Um, but it's really worth reading the whole thing. I know it's behind a payroll. I'm sorry. I tried to find a gift link for it. I can't find one. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think it's really worth uh, checking out. So let me read uh, the, ex the excerpt that I have here. Um, Those alarmed by our current level of political discourse and widespread dissemination of fake news may find it tempting to look back on the years before 1968 as a golden age of civility in the media, <laughs> when journalists enjoyed widespread respect and the three television networks presented nightly news broadcasts that gave millions of Americans a shared civic experience and a reservoir 
of commonly accepted information. I certainly have felt that way. Absolutely. When you were just the big three, everyone sort of had the same news sources Mm -hmm. and there was some responsibility. At least that's what I've been told, right? Mm -hmm. Walter Cronkite. My family watched Walter Cronkite every night. And he was the anchor of CBS Evening News and was reputed to be the most trusted man in America. Mm -hmm. Regarding network coverage of the 1968 Democratic National Convention, it is startling to learn, given what so many people think they remember, Uh how little TV time was actually devoted to film of police assaulting demonstrators. Mm -hmm. Cameramen filmed only 17 minutes of footage of the violence outside the Hilton. Hendershot points out that in NBC's 35 hours of broadcasting, only one hour showed street protests. Today, nearly every person in the street carries a smartphone that makes it it possible to record live action and immediately post photos and videos online. And we all know that that means everybody can see police violence the minute it happens. Absolutely, Yep. yep. Such a world could not have been imagined in 1968. Mm-hmm. You know how heavy cameras were in 1968? Mm-hmm. Let alone they had to be wired to a truck or to a building. Yeah. And film had to be developed and edited, and it took an hour or more for the images to appear on the nation's television screens, if they chose to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. If Fred Friendly decided it should go on the air. I mean, that's really <laughs> what it was, right? Uh-huh. And they Absolutely. were all white men making these decisions. So how did the chaos in the streets of Chicago affect network coverage? As Hendershot points out, the media had long normalized the idea, get this drip glass, Uh that there were two and only two sides to every issue with the truth lying somewhere in the middle. She shows, the author of this book, that until well into the convention, television newsmen clung to the ideal of impartiality. They seem to accept Daly's, that's Mayor Daly, the old Uh mayor, Uh his claim that troublemakers were responsible for disorder and the police had no choice but to step in. Then, as images from the Chicago Hilton became available, the networks dropped for the moment the idea of neutrality. And this was police beating young people, students on the streets. Everybody. Anybody who, who was in the neighborhood got beat. Journalists. Driving by in a car, it was yep. a police right. They, they, police they found right. The Kerner report. CBS, CBS aired film of the National Guard entering the hotel with fixed bayonets and gas masks, and scenes from the impromptu hospital that had been set up in McCarthy's hotel suite. Mm-hmm. It showed a National Guard soldier. This is amazing. Pointing a grenade launcher through the open car window of a woman who found herself caught in the confrontation near the Hilton and simply wanted to escape. Mm -hmm. Cronkite spoke of naked violence in the streets and interviewed bandaged tourists. Hendershot notes that the networks did not show the most extreme use of force, but the bloody images they did air changed the tone of the coverage. The CBS analyst Eric Severide declared, this is the most disgraceful night in the history of American political conventions. On NBC, Chet Huntley gravely announced, what we've seen requires no comment. And 
that has been replaced by that's all we have time for. That's all we yeah. Oh, we got to squeeze in a break here, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, if the demonstrators crave publicity, they certainly received it. Network coverage of the convention enjoyed the highest ratings of any television program in 1968. But a majority did not like what they saw. <laughs> Letters and telegrams that poured into the three networks' headquarters and public opinion polls demonstrated that most Americans viewed protesters as militants or terrorists and network coverage as prejudiced and one-sided. By this time, public opinion had indeed turned against the Vietnam War, but at the same time, most viewers seemed to believe that the demonstrators got what they were deserved. And here's a historical fact you weren't aware of. Every one of those letters began with, I'm an independent. <laughs> dear sir, I, yeah, dear sir, or to whom it may, the gentleman to whom it may concern, be concerned, right? And and think of the people who had the wherewithal to send a telegram to CBS. Oh yeah. Oh, and that got attention. That yeah. would get you start filling up a network in 1968. Their their uh, their mailroom with telegrams. Yeah. You will yeah. get their attention. Yep. Alarmed by the negative reactions to their coverage, this is the money shot. TV journalists retreated to the tried and true method of presenting. Say it with me. Both sides. Both sides. Yay. On day four of the convention, NBC became the first network to interview Chicago policemen who predictably said that accusations against them were completely unfounded and that street demonstrators never accomplished anything. That day, Mayor Daly, who had shunned the press, agreed to speak on camera with Walter Cronkite. Uh Hendershot calls the resulting interview astonishingly terrible and a low point of the anchorman's career. Cronkite allowed Daly to repeat without challenge falsehood after falsehood, including gross exaggerations of the provocations aimed at the police and the claim that injured reporters had not identified themselves as such. The mayor blithely declared that he wanted free and full coverage of the convention, when the fact is he had cooperated with an electrician's union that was on strike to keep Mm -hmm. electricity outside of the convention hall. Uh, and he demanded that all of the cameras remain inside the convention hall that were official ca- cameras of the convention. Mm-hmm. And because he was Mayor Daly, he could do that. Oh, yeah. this You really do have to read maybe Boss by Mike Royko yeah. to understand that he was a one-man dictator. Yep. Uh, In the, that and city. The, and the Absolutely. cops were his, were his personal police force. Yep. And they yep. were very, very clear that they were out there to bust the heads of hippies. And, That's right. And um, remember, I think he he famously because he had a, a lost every wrestling match with the English language he was ever in, like his son. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But he famously said the police are not there to create disorder; they're there to preserve disorder. <laughs> and that got yes. that got stitched on a lot of pillows during the, yes, the next decade. Yes, it did. Uh, the interview between Daly and Cronkite ended with Cronkite speaking of the politeness and the genuine friendliness of the Chicago police. Uh-huh. Daly was later outraged when an official investigation overseen by a prominent local attorney described the events of August 1968 as a police riot. Which it most which certainly is what was. what it was. It most certainly was. But, but uh, 1968 was not a time when I would have thought the network's retreated to both siderism. Yeah. But, but they, they did. did. They did. It, it, arguably one of the most important stories of the second half of the 20th century. 
The well, and this is Democrat- why Biden says, you know, you think we're having problems now. You didn't, you weren't, you must not have been alive no. in 1968. I've talked to people who were working, who are older than I am by 10 years, who actually knocked on doors for Bobby Kennedy. Uh-huh. And when Bobby Kennedy was killed after Martin Luther King had been killed, mm-hmm. he, she said to me, we really thought the world was ending. That there was nothing good left to vote for. There was nothing good left to work for. Vietnam War was going to go on forever. Yep. Johnson was no use to anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, the the Civil Rights Act had passed, and it was just there was just violence in the streets everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, the dream was dying. I heard the same thing about the combination of the uh, Democratic Convention and the shootings at Kent State. Yep. Uh, when your that dad was, was in nineteen seventy, but yeah. yeah. And that was that was the clear signal to the counterculture, the peaceful side of the counterculture, that they're going to kill you. They're going to kill they, you, and you can't killed, you can't march. Right? No, they they've somebody killed Bobby Kennedy. Um, a white supremacist killed Martin Luther King, and they're going to kill you. You step out of line, the establishment will come down on you so hard you'll die. They'll kill yep. you. And yep. you're, that was you're a, on a college campus in Ohio, yeah. and they'll kill you. And and, that, and as you know, I was there. I mean, I was a first grader. Yeah. But my dad was a professor mm-hmm. at Kent State in the art department. And uh, it's interesting because my grandfather was a professor in the math department. I know I've said this before. Mm-hmm. Uh, my grandfather had retired in like 1967, I believe, and moved to Florida <laughs> because that's what Ohioans <laughs> did. That's right. And uh, But when he left the math department, which was conservative, Uh, In 1967, he was the only professor in the math department on record as being against the Vietnam War. And the art department was a little different. (laughs) Yes. Yes. The art department was full of hippies. Yeah. Well, and I wasn't there at the time. And my family moved back to the United States in the summer of 1968. Right. Um, I was at that age concerned about Batman and uh, uh, Get Smart. And yeah. But as we were flying back from the Philippines, my, my mom or my dad pointed out the window and pointed down and said, that, that, I think that over there, I think that's Vietnam, mean, meant nothing to me. Yeah. We lived yeah. near Subic Bay. We were, we were within driving distance of Clark Air Force Base. A lot of the students, most of the students at my mom's school were GIs, were the, were the sons and daughters Kids of, of GIs. GIs. Right, yeah. right. And the, the, my, my dad's school, which was the American school, were the sons and daughters of diplomats and the, the ruling family and so forth. This stuff I paid no attention to. Well, you um, were seven. So, right. you know, right. but it, it was, wasn't your job to pay attention at that point. But it's good to remember. It's good to look back. I'm interested in this book by Heather Hendershot because um, it sounds like an analysis of it is an analysis of news coverage. Yeah. And how this particular moment in time caused the mainstream media to retreat into their bunkers, which is did. both sides. And they did. And, it's, and and that has been their go-to every time things get tough. And this is a time when the peaceful protest movement really kind of died. Yeah. Because yeah. what happened when they the students and civil rights mar- uh, marchers did what they were supposed to do, marched peacefully, they got fire hosed, they got shot, they got bombed. And granted, there were peaceful voices like Dr. King saying, this is the price we pay, but this is yeah. what... You know, the Lord has called us to do these things and we will peacefully protest and we will turn the other cheek. And and the silent majority voted for Nixon. Right. Because he promised law and order. Yeah. And everybody knew what that meant. And everyone knew what that meant. That means keep the blacks and the hippies in line. 
And that was, that was the world that existed in 1968 in this country. And right now we are awfully close to that moment when the, the right in the form of militia and, and uh, yeah. proud boys and neo-Nazis are, are out there doing violence mm-hmm. as a part mm-hmm. of policy. That is how they right. perform their right. actions in public. They're there to do violence. Sometimes peaceful protests on the left get out of hand and violence is done at them. That mm-hmm. is a ve- radically different um, uh, agenda than you're there to do violence. You are there to break into the to the capital. You're there to burn down democracy. That's your agenda. And it is terribly concerning that not only does the news media turn away from one event like the 1968 convention, but they turn away from everything. Mm-hmm. They don't want to acknowledge that the right is a violent, white nationalist, reactionary, lunatic, authoritarian party. And that they are there to do violence and they're going to keep doing violence until somebody punches them back pretty fucking hard. Well, and so much of the media, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. has been taken over by the Sinclairs of the world. Yeah. Who, when they show clips of January 6th, leave out the Trump flags. Yeah. They they don't mention those things. You know, I will say that in in 1968, uh, my alma mater. Uh, was present. I wasn't there, obviously, but was present at Grant Park. It wasn't called Columbia College at the time. But Mm -hmm. Columbia College runs right up against Grant Park, and the art school that it was was the source because they had big poster-making facilities there Mm -hmm. and big paint facilities there. A lot of those signs you see in Grant Park were done up by professors who were pot-smoking hippies who were working for an art school right up against the the Grant Park where, where all this took place. So... We have, but this is the thing. Um, none of this is new. No, you have right, right. A reactionary, violent, conservative right, and you have a left that is social justice and civil rights and wants clean air and clean water and voting rights for everyone. Yeah, and, and the fact that that Mayor Daley was a quote unquote Democrat, yeah. he was a quote unquote fascist. Is he, was what a, he, was. he was a fucking fascist, and this was one party state, and yeah. and yeah. you knew that. You knew that. I mean, it's still a, it, it's a bright blue city, and I'm I'm proud to have lived there for so very long, and I love mm-hmm. it, and I take people on tours of there, and I say lots of nice things about Chicago. But <laughs> when when Richard Daly died, and uh, and there was a, a succession fight, and Jane Byrne, et cetera, et cetera, when it came down to Jane Byrne versus uh, Daly the uh, second, who was sitting right by his dad's side at that convention, screaming and acting like a thug that he was, and Harold Washington. And Harold Washington ran right up the middle and became the Democratic nominee for the mayor of the city of Chicago for the Democratic Party. That's when everything snapped into very sharp focus. Right. Because more right. than half of the aldermen suddenly jumped to the side of an obscure asshole Republican named Bernie Epton. Right. And right. like, oh, those are the assholes who who either were personally responsible or whose daddies were the ones knocking heads in Grant Park in 1968. Yeah. They're the racist bungalow belt assholes who've always been there and probably will always be there. And so we can stop talking about, you know, the, the kindness and, and gentleness of the Republican Party now because they all filter themselves out. The people yeah. who want to do violence and want to overthrow the government and want to stop progress are all in one party now. And yeah. you know who's finding that out? Well, let me let me just interrupt you with one other thing incident from this article, Mm -hmm. which is that the mainstream media in 1968 did not cover black delegates objecting to all white uh, congregants, you know, from states like Mississippi, where it was an all white delegation sitting down at the convention. 
Yep. And CBS and NBC and ABC just didn't cover that. Well, and Democrats cut a deal to screw those people. Right, exactly. You know, that, this exactly. was not this was not a good time in this country. No, it was a bad time. There was this there was, was a blood. bad time, and 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 of course, then all of those so called Democrats who were white supremacists fled mm-hmm. to Nixon. Yeah, yes, they did. They fled to the suburbs, and they fled yeah. to Nixon, and eventually they fled to Reagan, and yeah. now they yeah. walked around with Trump hats on, wondering right. whatever happened to my America. <laughs> well, your America's dead and gone, and we're helping to bury it, and you're fighting us every inch of the way. Um, but again, one person who is suddenly discovering all of this, this rich history of fascism and white supremacy and ugliness on the right, is a guy named Tim Scott. He's a senator. You might have heard of him. He's an African-American gentleman. Uh, he's running for president. He's got- Which is point, hilarious. Which is, for, in the Republican Party, uh, which is hilarious- <laughs> Yep. He's going where so many people like him have gone before, like J.C. Watts and Michael Steele. He's decided mm-hmm. that the Republican Party isn't really all that racist. And, you know, I'm sure I'll be fine there. Uh, except there's a problem. This is from Business Insider. Tim Scott is outraged after Republican donors threatened to stop funding him if he doesn't explain why he's unmarried. He says they're only insinuating he's gay because they, quote, can't say I'm black. <laughs> oh, oh, my goodness. Tim Scott, you know, you, you, you gentle you sweet, summer sweet child. sweet, summer child. You sweet, sweet summer child. <laughs> you fell off the turnip truck yesterday. Is that right? <laughs> right into a presidential campaign. Quote, it sounds like we're living in 1963, not 2023. Oh, Lord. Quote, Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina has a theory about why people are drawing attention to the fact that he's never been married. I've got a theory, too. Shall we compare we theories, do. Tim yes. Scott? Yes. It's like a different form of discrimination or bias. The 2024 GOP presidential candidate told the Washington Post, you can't say I'm black because that would be terrible. So find something else you can attack. Scott also said other GOP contenders may be seeking to, quote, sow seeds of doubt about his campaign and finding a way to say, quote, that guy isn't one of us, unquote, with the insinuations about his personal life. But Scott, It's not an insinuation. No, He's not married. You're not married. That's and like not an, an insinuation. No. And, you know, we we have a, a very welcoming group of people who'd love to be your friends over here on the Democratic side. But eventually you'll end up on. <laughs> He's not going to have any friends on the Democratic side no. with his abortion stance. Sorry. Oh, no, 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 no. Well, I don't know. Yeah. I You know, Michael Steele is, is a MSNBC contributor on his way to having his own show. You yeah. dig it one inch below the surface and you find a pro-life fanatic named that's Michael right. Steele. That's right. But we'll all we'll all pretend we're friends because for the duration, we yeah, have to right. all act like it. Uh, but Scott, his political confidant, and his friends all insist that he's not gay. In fact, not that there's anything wrong with that. In fact, Scott insists he has a girlfriend who's in Canada, so you can't see her right now. Canada. God, God damn, man. Do, so the do problem better. is she's got he's got a white girlfriend. Is that the problem? Oh, oh she's Canadian? so much worse. Yeah. Oh, no. she's uh, French Canadian. She's French, French and white. French Canadian. Blue-gay. She yeah. doesn't speak English. Yeah. You know what? I've heard rumors that she's French Canadian blue gal. <laughs> and the rumor is I've heard it because I started it. Um, <laughs> Quebec. Camp- she's a Quebecois, right? Yeah. Oh, no. She's she's everything that they hate. Uh, though the campaign declined to identify her to the post, which is fine. You know? Yeah. None of this. Look, none of this should be part of any political campaign. Absolutely but, not. But your party makes it a central pillar of their fucking identity. These sorts of things, this culture war bullshit, that's They're your stuff. They're a hate stuff. party. Yeah. And, but now, and for every Tim Scott, 
This is no longer a quote. This is just me talking. For every Tim Scott who comes overall shocked that his Republican Party is full of racists, there will always be another representative, Byron Donalds, hmm. who's perfectly happy to step right into those step and fetch it role, which is yeah. exactly the function they perform for the Republican Party. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It, that That's, you know, a dramatic way to say it, but yep. it's true. It's true. That That's what Michael Steele did for the Republican Party when he was the head of the RNC. He, he was only selected to be the RNC chairman because Barack Obama was in the White House and they right. needed a black guy. They did. And he stood out in front and dutifully did his job of lying and lying and lying until they kicked him out. And then suddenly he said, oh, my God, they're racist yeah. in the Republican Party. And I've been kicked out. And MSNBC said, come over here. We'll give you a job. And that's how the circle of life continues inside the media, which is why the media is a big part of the problem. Anyway, I think. Hey, Class, we got to do a news roundup. The Bidening continues. Cool. And if you go and look at one thing this week, if you go to your computer or phone and look at one thing from this podcast, I hope it's this. Go to Media Matters for America. They watched every single PragerU kids video that is being used in states like Oklahoma as part of the curriculum. And here are the lowlights. Quote, a cartoon Booker T. Washington distorting the history of the Civil War. A narrator explaining that embracing climate denialism is akin to participating in the Warsaw Uprising. An instructional video telling girls that conforming to gender stereotypes is a great way to embrace their femininity. A dramatization of the supposedly civilizing benevolent era of British colonial rule in India. Yeah, okay. These are just some of the episodes of PragerU Kids, Mm -hmm. an offshoot of right-wing propaganda organization PragerU that Florida and Oklahoma have just approved for use in public school classrooms, unquote. This would just be comedy, except for the fact that Oklahoma and Florida and who knows how many other states are planning to shove this crap into the skulls of their children. Of second graders. Yeah, Yeah. which is insane. But that's how you, you know. And particularly, I mean, the race stuff is, and the gender stuff is there and is just as indoctrinating as anything else. But boy, do they want those kids thinking climate change isn't real. And it's a good thing to have a gas stove and a gas operated car. Mm-hmm. And anyone who tells you otherwise is a communist. We got to protect your oil stocks. Right. right. No, kids, communists seize the means of production. <laughs> they don't ask people to gently and politely stop using gas stoves over a period of time so that we can <laughs> save the planet for future generations. That's not how that works. Um, now, I, I'm kind of tired, as you have noted during this podcast, or as I mentioned, because I got up real early this morning. I couldn't sleep last night. I got up early enough to flip past Newsmax. Just in time to see Hogan Gidley kicking it with Mark Halperin about how the mainstream media refuses to talk about Hunter Biden's laptop. There is no Hunter Biden's laptop, folks. But, but anyway, mainstream media just won't talk about it. You know, you, they talk about everything <laughs> else. They won't talk about this stuff. Uh, this made Mark Halperin very sad and very angry. Uh, it's so irresponsible. It's both creepy and hilarious to see how easily weasels like Halperin, who were once, remember, at the top of the mainstream media food chain, morph into whatever vessel whorehouses like Newsmax need them to be to spout the company's talking points. Now, one of the things that Hogan Gidley got on about was the N-word. He said specifically, 
you remember how Democrats and the media were all about the N-word on the Apprentice tape and how the how Donald Trump had said the N-word and how, how they have a proof of it and they just wouldn't let it go? Well, Hunter Biden's laptop, he mentions the N-word in emails. He used it on his laptop. And those two situations, Hunter uh, Hogan Gidley said, are exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody nodded their little bobbleheads in agreement. Uh-huh. You know, that's exactly right. Something that Donald Trump did, who ran for president and was president and ran an a, a unsuccessful coup against his country, is exactly the same as something that Hunter Biden said in a fucking email on a stolen laptop. They're exactly the same. Why can't the media see that? Well, that's why we have Newsmax to, to, to explain these things to you know communists like us. Three words, chain of custody. Doesn't matter. Doesn't, doesn't matter, matter. At nope. all. Doesn't nothing, matter. Nothing, nothing matters to them. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of Newsmax, no labels retweeting Newsmax is peak something for sure. From Newsmax on Twitter. Boy, Driftglass, you wrote this. I did. I found it. You really it. went into the sewer, didn't you? I, some days you have there's to. There's so Blue many Bell. turds floating here. Mm-hmm. From Newsmax on Twitter. If President Joe Biden and former President Donald Trump score nominations for a presidential rematch, Senator Bill Cassidy said he's open to meeting with no labels, a political group pushing for a third party bipartisan presidential ticket. You know who was pushing RFK Jr. to run as a third party this weekend, Drift Glass? Who, Blue Gal? Uh, Sean Hannity. Oh, he's such a, he's a saint. He loves this he's country a so much. Um, yeah, the, I think No Labels is now at the point where any publicity is good publicity. So yeah. Newsmax yeah. said that this happened, so let's retweet it. Yeah. And speaking of No Labels, do you remember a young man named Andrew Yang, I believe? He was yeah. part of something called the Forward Party. It was a scam. Uh, yours truly wrote about it, I don't know, five or six or a hundred times uh, and got a <laughs> lot of responses from from forward party uh, freaks about their lack of an agenda and lack of policies and lack of anything other than send us money. Well, look who's at the very low bar chatting up no labels. <laughs> this is from Politico. Andrew Yang says he's had, quote, conversations with no labels. Quote, I've had conversations with various folks who are associated with no labels. Yang said during an in-person interview at Politico's Northern Virginia headquarters on Monday. So Asked he just shows up at Politico and they're willing to give him space is the oh, deal. Oh, sure. Hi, I'm Andrew Yang. I'd like you to write things about me and put them in your newspaper. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Come on in. Can you tell us any specifics? No. Asked repeatedly if the group had specifically approached him about running as a possible candidate. Yang sidestepped a direct response. He apparently oh, sidestepped God. pretty much everything in this interview, but he got his name in print. He yep. rubbed up against no labels, and now he's got a little bit of and the now fame. He's, and now he's out there. He's, he's yeah. out there at Cokie Roberts Hairdressers. They're all talking about him. We're obliged to talk about it now because it's out there. I think we ought to change the name of our podcast to Cokie Roberts Hairdresser. <laughs> well, I, hey. I, could be, I could be Floyd the Barber, and I could, you know, you know, <laughs> you know Andy. New York Magazine's Jonathan Chait thinks, quote, it's very strange to me that there isn't a mainstream Democrat challenging Biden, unquote. We think it's very strange that Jonathan Chait still has an opinion-having job at New York Magazine. I find yeah. it interesting there still is a New York Magazine. I, I There's a lot of magazines coming out of New York. And, uh, yeah. Some of them are very good. Some of them are not. Some of the newspapers are, you know, have problems. But it, I'm like, John, uh, when was the last time any Democratic incumbent had a serious challenger during a primary? Yeah. Um, was it Kennedy Carter? Was that the last yeah. time? Yeah, probably 1980. Yeah. But Jonathan Shate thinks it's very weird. Um, 
and this is a, a sad story uh, because it was so preventable and it was mm-hmm. all blame. Uh, we can all blame one political party plus one other person. Uh, the child poverty rate rose from an all-time low of 5.2% in 2021 to 12.4% in 2022, reflecting the end of temporary child allowances and other programs. What happened? Joe Manchin happened. That's right. Joe Manchin plus the entire Republican Party screwed over the poor children of this country, period. This is from And MSNBC. it's a choice. It's, it's a, a choice. choice. Absolutely a choice. Because I guess in Manchin's case, you got to keep kids poor and uneducated so they can go to work in the mines, so they can make Joe Manchin a little more money. This is from MSNBC, April of 2022. Under Biden, Democrats conducted the most effective attack on child poverty in American history. Manchin all but single-handedly destroyed those efforts when he killed the Build Back Better plan. There's a much longer story there, but that's the real story. Joe Manchin chose to screw over the poor children of this country for political advantage. You remember when these bills were going to go through together, the infrastructure bill and Build Back Better were linked. There were two bills. They're going to go together. And then Joe Manchin happened. The Progressive Caucus agreed to do them one at a time so they could pass the people on the left. The Progressive Caucus agreed to be the reasonable adults in the room Mm -hmm. and let the first one pass under the um, understanding, clear public understanding, that the second one would get a fair hearing and get a vote. And that never happened because of fuckers like Joe Manchin in our party. We need more Democratic senators and less Joe Manchins in our party. Yep, yep. And and it's kind of interesting. The Republican Party is having a hard time, Driftglass, finding Republicans to run for Senate in red states who live in those red states. Yeah, because they don't want to live there. Who wants to live there? They don't want to live there. No. They want to live in Florida and New York City. Right. Or Washington or Virginia. Mm-hmm. They don't want to live in <laughs> North Utah. Dakota. Utah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, breaking news today, Mitt yeah. Romney is retiring. and he Mitt Romney needed... is retiring. And as I said, my prediction is primary is going to be lit. Oh, and I did write a quick post about this. Yeah. Uh, I'll just give you the top line. So Mitten's Ron Romney, our money, is leaving, but not without one final dusty, craven fart of both siderism. There you go. Yep. And so my other prediction is uh, while this primary will be lit, there will be one uh, leading candidate in the Republican primary for Mitt Romney's Utah Senate seat that is not living full time in Utah because Romney didn't. No, why would he? Romney wanted to live in Massachusetts. Anyway, uh, this week's MSNBC's Joe Scarborough broke the no fair remembering stuff rule by going all the way back to the 1990s to rake Newt Gingrich over the coals for Gingrich's galaxy brain plan to shut down the government. But while touring Republican bonehead moves from the 1990s, Joe Scarborough somehow failed to mention the equally major blowback from Gingrich's equally disastrous plan to impeach Bill Clinton over a blowjob. Maybe because Scarborough was one of the 228 members of the House who voted to impeach Bill Clinton in December 1998. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, no, I listened to this. And and Scarborough was saying, you know, we elected, uh, we we came to Congress to do stuff, and suddenly Gingrich is shutting the government down, and that was crazy, because it was crazy. I mean, we came there to accomplish things, and and because, you know, he will never miss an opportunity to remind people that a million years ago he was in Congress, and what what a bright, bold, wonderful place it was. And he goes on about Newt Gingrich, you know, we came to Congress 
in the class of 94 to accomplish things and he shut the government down. It wasn't that terrible. Never mentioned the, the impeachment because he was one of the assholes who was totally pushing cool with the for impeachment. impeachment. Yeah. Right. And absolutely. as we mentioned, the impeachment was not a matter of getting a corrupt president out of office. It was a matter of digging in Bill Clinton's garbage pile until they found something they could hang on him and get him out of office. And Gingrich's plan was bigger than Clinton. Gingrich's plan was to impeach Gore after Gore pardoned Clinton so that Newt Gingrich could assume the presidency as the yeah, third in line. Yeah, because he's, he's the uh, preserver of civilization, Driftglass. Yeah, but remember, this is all in the good old days when everybody was yeah. friends. They all went out for drinks afterwards and everything ran real smooth, just like they were in 1968. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, Mika did uh, reach her limit with Chris Christie this week, though. I will give her credit. Uh-huh. I will give credit where credit's due. Mm-hmm. Chris Christie's sitting there pushing the bullshit that Oh, you know, New Jersey Democrats want abortion at nine months. And she lost it and said, look, there's no such thing. There are medical emergencies late in pregnancy where to save the mother's life, you right. have to remove a a pregnancy that has damaged her health to the point that she's going to die if you don't. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but you can't hit you can't reach boneheadedness on that issue. You just can't. Well, and I will add just one more thing, that there's a whole lot of people out there on the Republican Party talking about Democrats want abortion after birth. They want to kill after babies, birth, kill babies, yes. kill babies. And all the people who are raising their fists, the, 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 the good people at the Lincoln Project and the good people at the Bulwark who are all, mm-hmm. God damn, this is, you know, everyone knows this isn't true. I have one simple question for them. What do you have to say about the fact that Liz Cheney yeah. was one of the yeah. people most responsible for spreading for pushing this lie. That lie. Yeah. Your hero, yeah. Liz Cheney, was perfectly okay with all this, was perfectly okay being in the vanguard of lying about Democrats, calling us pure evil and saying we were baby killers because we were murdering children after birth. And that is just now something we don't talk about because it's not polite. Well, no, I and, and of talk course, Republicans it. got together this week to try to find a rebranding effort right. for pro-life quote unquote, because they found that doesn't poll well. People have gotten over that and and realize it's removing bodily autonomy from women. So let's come up with something else. You know, calling Frank Luntz, Frank Luntz, (laughs) come here and get us a better phrase for taking Taking away away women's bodily autonomy. Women's bodily autonomy. Is there a better word for for practical slavery, for chattel slavery? Chattel slavery. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, Drift Glass, as a mother and a patriot, Uh, I'd like to tell you that each week we post to our Facebook page and website. (laughs) An internet kitty sent in by you, the listeners. But this week's internet kitty is a sweet, sweet dog named Chelsea. Aw. Chelsea's human writes, We have always had cats and never a dog. But walking by the window of a puppy shop in Chelsea, Manhattan in January, Chelsea told us that we were currently living in her forever home. So our lives have changed completely. But she is a sweet dog who I have never seen upset about anything. And she is friendly to all people and other dogs, although with other dogs, it's not always reciprocated. Yeah. When our mail deliverer comes by, go postal unions, the, that's the only time I let Chelsea out without a leash because she loves the mail deliverer and <laughs> they play together and the mail uh, person even brings Chelsea toys. Isn't that nice? Aww. Anyway, Chelsea has changed many lives for the better, including mine. Thank you for writing. Thank you for sending in Chelsea. Uh, And yes, uh, changing lives, they have a tendency to do that. And of course, Chelsea Eats Freshly Poured Pet Food, our fake sponsor, 
Whether you serve pet store perfection or dollar store dreck, your pets will sit on the kitchen floor and demand that the food they eat is only freshly poured. Freshly poured, freshly poured. And you can visit Chelsea at our Facebook page or website, and you can send your internet kitty, dog, or other pet to us at our email address, proleftpodcast at gmail.com, where you can also write to both of us. And I mean that. If you send an email to proleftpodcast at gmail.com, that winds up in both of our inboxes. It does. And we pay attention to those. Those get a uh, label on them that says podcast correspondence, and uh, we do read those. So thank you for writing in. Feel free to write us again. We love hearing from you. Be aware that if you write to us at any of our addresses, we reserve the right to read your email or U.S. Postal Service. Go, Postal Unions. Letter on the air, unless you say otherwise. And our thoughts are with the UAW this week as well. Yep. And the writers, as always. Yep. Don't forget our Gourmet Coffee Guideline. If you can afford to buy an espresso-based beverage for yourself, buy one for us. This is not charity. This is our job. And we really appreciate you pitching in five bucks to help us keep this going. Please share our show on social media. And if you love this podcast, please get someone else to listen to. Share us on Spoutable or the Fediverse or anywhere you want. Newsy, you can you can still share us on Twitter if you're over there fighting Nazis like we do from time to time. I, I'm not on Threads yet. Should I be on Threads? I don't know if I should be on. Threads. I'm on Threads, and Threads is on uh, desktop now, so okay. it's a All little right. easier to get on and do stuff. And I do tw- I do send a thread about the podcast. If you're on Threads, oh. I'm Blue Gal on Threads. So because I, I I'm Blue Gal have, everywhere. Huh? I understand you have to have an Instagram account. I don't want to take pictures of my food. I I think that's a requirement. <laughs> that's that's the law, right? Pictures of my I, feet for the food. first time, took a picture of my food for the first time today because Drift Class made me a salad for lunch that was so pretty, oh. and I took a picture of it. But it, that was just for my personal use. Now you're making me blush. Aw. Hey, Drift Class, how are the Internet Kitties doing this week? Well, this week, the Internet Kitties would like to turn it over to Senator John Fetterman on the subject of Kevin McCarthy's highly illegal impeachment thingy. Ask you about this news that uh, Speaker McCarthy has formally launched an impeachment inquiry. Has said he's going to. Oh my God! Really? Oh my gosh! You know? Oh, it's devastating. (laughs) Ooh! Don't do it! Please don't do it! Oh no! Oh no! Let's think about living. Think about living. Let's think about loving. Think about loving. Let's think about the hooping and the humping and the popping and the loving, loving, loving. Let's forget about the wine and the crying and the shooting and the dying. A professional left podcast is recorded under a Creative Commons license, copyright 2023, DGBG Productions.